Fergus. My name is Zine. And you are now in boss mode! Welcome to another edition, everyone. Um, it's nice to see you back here. It's been a while. It has been a while. We say that yeah. every episode. Yeah, but this time's really been a while. It has really been a while, but I think we've been saving up the good stuff. Because yeah. this is quite, a, this is quite a, a momentous edition, let's call it that. Yeah. Um, it's important. Yeah. This, this is the one that will go down in history, I think. Along with the other ones we've done. Um, because it's that time again it's our game of the year episode I felt like we just did one yeah yeah felt like literally the other day this is our process eventually we'll have 12 game of the year episodes per year Um, that's that's an idea it's fair yeah there's a lot of people working on a lot of computer games and they don't all get recognised and this is this is one way of we should just call this the game of the year podcast that's a really good idea yeah except people who Shorten it to goatee. I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want a goatee. No one should. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I'm I, very excited about this uh, this Game of the Year thing. Actually, do you know what? We, we've just had a couple of... It's, 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 it's kind of video games award seasons. It is. It is. The Game Awards was just last night. So we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about the Golden Joystick Awards, which happened in November. Mm-hmm. Um, which you were at. I was at. I, 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 I was part of the... The live stream on Twitch. We can talk about Twitch a little bit, by the way. Okay. Because if... Yeah, it's quite rough. Anyway, <laughs> um, it turns out if you have two female hosts for a video games chat... No, no, no. Maybe no. switch off comments. Twitch chat is just... is No matter where you are on Twitch, Twitch chat is awful. Why? It's awful. It's the worst people. But we had some really nice people as well. Like we, we, it just so happened that our two female hosts, Keza McDonald and Ellie Gibson, um, were interviewing uh, three, what well, three female interviewees? One of which was Ellen Rose from Outside Xbox. Um, oh, I can't remember the other two. Sorry. Um, the bio, the the, mm. the the anger. But we did have people going, "Hey, come on, guys, let's try and moderate this." And and, and I guess a few female gamers going, "Are you?" Flipping serious with this. Yeah. It's not... It's not the 90s anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's not 2014 anymore. Yeah. Um, it's really weird. It was but really it's, weird it's, how it's, quick and easy it was for people to become is, hateful. It is so common on Twitch and on YouTube to see horrible stuff like that. Uh, I mean, especially when females are involved. Involved in, you know something gaming related and it's on Twitch yeah it's just it, they need to find a good way of you know um, stopping it basically and I think it's a challenge that they are working on but well we had bots working on our comment feed yeah we had bots looking out for nastiness but mm. it's just not it's just not effective I think because there's such a deluge of bile mm. instantly yeah like in, an instantaneous that's what freaked me out about it most was the, was the volume and ease with which these horrible comments were appearing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There wasn't like, how, how how many viewers were there roughly? Um, I don't. It wasn't a huge thing. I think we had we started with something like six thousand. Okay, but it was a it was a kind of an hour pre an hour long preamble up to the ceremony mm. and I think by the time we hit the ceremony we were up to a fair old like 20,000 but aggregate aggregate we did alright a high yeah. six figures which is nice yeah. um, 
I guess because people wanted to see if there were any cool trailers or anything from the, yeah. the award ceremonies. I suppose the thing is, I've seen some Twitch channels where it's relatively small, maybe like one or two thousand thing um, viewers, and the chat is generally okay. It's when it's something you know, right on the spotlight on you know Twitch front front page kind of thing. That's where you get the most kind of uh, you know disgusting behaviour. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's um. I guess the uh, uh, the hope is with that that if there's enough people commenting, then any horrible comment will just kind of flip through the comment screen yeah, too yeah. quickly for anyone actually to pay much attention to. Yeah. But at the same time, maybe that's where it comes from. Maybe that's the the, the cowardice ultimately of the comment of the nasty commenter. He, there's, there's, I, I don't believe these people would be saying these things out loud in real yeah, life. Do you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. So so sudden. Um, it, it's a shame that such small petty, nasty people can make such a negative impact. On but at the same time, I still, I have no data to back this up. Sure. But I think the, the, still the primary demographic of Twitch are like teenagers and stuff, which I, I suppose doesn't, um, doesn't kind of forgive them for anything. But at the same time, it's more understandable you get what I'm saying? They, they like, haven't, why yeah, they the, the adolescent rage of confusion and frustration, yeah. why doesn't this girl fancy me, is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that could lead to, it's a shame. It is a shame. And it's a shame it's that you're saying that in a way. It's a shame that, that, that the commenting has got to that state. Like, I was quite an angry teenager, mm. and there were plenty of people I had a problem with, but I think, I'd, I'd hope that as a teenager I wouldn't have. Yeah. But I suppose there's no way of knowing, is there? Because yeah. we didn't have so I didn't have social media back in the day. Um, nothing like it. It's a relatively new thing. Still learning it. Mm. It's a shame those teenagers have kind of focused their 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 frustration into being nasty. Ah well, what are you going to do? I yeah. imagine it'll always happen. And yeah. In a way, at least it is confined to a bunch of text-based nonsense that appears yeah, and disappears yeah. into the ether within a few seconds. You know what I mean? As yeah. opposed to it's it's so anonymity. Talking hatred. It's anonymity. You know, people can do with it because you know they won't be held accountable for it. You know, you know, it's not going to go where their parents can see it. Or Maybe that's the way to stop it. Away. Maybe you've just hit an yeah. exact way to stop it. Find out who makes the nasty comments and show their mum. Yeah, because that would be <laughs> devastating. That is a devastating attack. <laughs> um, listen, we're here to celebrate video games tonight. Yes. Yeah, not to 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 denigrate the users, uh, uh, although some of them are a holes. <laughs> um, just before we do that, so usually on this podcast, as you know, listeners, um, we talk about video games first and then movies. We're going to do it the other way around, simply because there's only one film we really want to talk about right now. Um, and uh, and there's a lot of video game stuff we want to talk about, so let's do it that way around. Also, uh, we're hoping to have another edition out very shortly with a couple of guest, uh, uh, guests guests <laughs> with a couple of guests um, who you all know from previous edition, um, and we'll probably talk about some more filmy stuff on that. It'll be the usual. Yeah. But anyway, tonight the one film we want to talk about before we get into the video game juice, Justice League. Well, not even that. Doesn't even warrant that. <laughs> no, that, you, that is too much. That is too positive a review. 
Tell me, tell me what you thought of it. What were your, uh, what were your? It was stupid. It was just stupid. Like, it's it was so, so much wrong with it. Um, and you know, after getting back from the cinema, watching it, I, I decided I, I look up articles and you know, just kind of read. It. And I read about like I, I knew the whole what happened with Zack Snyder. He had to leave due to uh, you know uh, family issues. Um, it's really sad. It is happens. very sad. It's His very daughter sad. committed suicide. Daughter yeah. from previous marriage, I think. I think it was. Committed suicide. Because sure. Deborah's the Deborah Snyder is the produ- His wife is the producer on yeah. Justice League as well on all, yeah. on all his films. So I don't know if it was her daughter or not, but still, uh, that is. As many forgivings as misforgivings, misgivings, sorry, as I may have about Zack Snyder, mm. I, I wouldn't want that. For, I mean, that's horrible. That is. And so, fair enough, he quit the film. Yeah. But then the question is, in deciding how to complete it, mm. I, 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 I would never say this ordinarily. I can't quite believe I'm saying it out loud now. But maybe it would have been better to allow one of the producers just to kind of get it done. Mm. I'm a massive Joss Whedon fan. Buffy and Angel are two of my favourite all-time TV shows and Firefly, the film, and Serenity. Uh, 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 yeah, I love it. Mm. So they're there are Firefly, the TV show, Serenity, the film. They're brilliant. He is brilliant. He's a brilliant writer. And I watched his Much Ado About Nothing and he's a brilliant director as well. He's, he's great. Avengers, brilliant. Um, he's really good at glib. But Justice League was never glib. Justice League was supposed to be the self-important meeting of gods on earth kind of thing. Like you can tell from all the marketing, it's all about, oh, look, oh, look at this. Isn't that so big? Everything's so big. So don't get in the guy to finish it. Zack Snyder specialises in big. Like big action, bone-crunching action. He's a good visual director, just. He has a nice idea for design anyway. Um, Joss Whedon is the guy you want to bring that in to undercut that yeah so so he's the the, the exact wrong choice the thing is I, I even I think Joss Whedon has the ability to do a semi-decent job if he's put in that position but I feel like a lot of the direction and what I've read leads me to believe that a lot of the direction was actually coming from Warner Bros CEO uh, Kevin Sujihara, he was directly influencing what was going on in the movie. Uh, maybe because he had something. There, there was something about bonuses um, going in. No, I don't know any. Of, I don't know about any of this. Can you start from the start? What's the okay? So Kevin Sujihara is he's the guy that they. Um, do you remember that open letter to one of other's executives that came out yeah. like a year ago? Yeah. Um, He's the guy that that letter was, letter was written directly for. Mm. Um, and it was basically telling him, you are screwing this up. So it doesn't surprise me to hear this name in this context. But what have you read? What's um, I should have read this recently, but I read it a while ago. Um, from what I can remember was that he, at some point at the end of the year, he should get his bonus. Um, but... And the movie was... Everyone was saying that we should push the movie back because it needs more time. But he wanted to stick to the deadline so that it goes out now and he gets his bonus before he's kind of taken off of this. Um, And to that effect, he was directly influencing... He was making a lot of decisions in the production. 
which is why there's some truly mind-boggling things that happened in the movie. Um, the biggest one of them is uh, Henry Cavill's moustache. When they came in for the reshoots, he had a moustache because he was contractually obligated for Mission Impossible 6, I think it is. And they weren't let Paramount Pictures weren't letting him shave off his moustache uh, for the reshoot. So what they did, they had to edit out the moustache in that scene at the start. Um, but also, they had out. It wasn't the the CGI team who did the rest of the movie. Didn't actually do that. It was outsourced to somewhere else, and they did a very poor job of it. It's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. You can. You, it's 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 so weird. I, I did. Did you know that about the moustache going into the film? No, I didn't. Right. Okay. I, I saw that, and so clip. I did wonder if it was like, is this like uh, whether or not it was because I already knew. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, but you saying that, I mean, clearly, it is pathetically bad. Mm. But not 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 just that. Not not just how bad the actual CG is. Like he's got this weird, floating, weirdly shaped lip that doesn't look like him and isn't human, and it's just so bizarre. Also, if you think about the thought processes behind the decision to give him a CGI moustache, for one second, it is proven to be an example of the rank stupidity that seems to have governed the making of the rest of the film. Mm. A. Clearly, someone at Warner Brothers pissed someone at Mission Impossible off. Mm. Because if I was the producer of Mission Impossible and my guy, my British comedy sidekick, was about to have to go and play Superman again, I'd be like, yeah, cool. Shave the moustache and regrow it when you come back. That's Mm. fine. Mm. B. Fake moustaches are cheap. Definitely cheaper than months of CGI. Um, see, and this is the one that really gets me. We know Clark Kent can grow a beard. So grow a beard around it. Mm. Grow a beard around the moustache. Have Superman looking... Gr- that feeds into a whole new conversation in Justice League, which is, wow, they really used evil Superman well, didn't they? Yeah. For that 30 seconds that he was evil. Yeah. What is the point of any of this? Why, oh, it's evil Superman. He's come back and he's really angry for 30 seconds. And then you have a chat and he's fine. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> what do you think the audience wants? What do Warner Brothers thinks? Sorry. What do you think Warner Brothers thinks the audience wants? Like, who are they making that film for? For me, I feel like they're directly going after the Marvel crowd. They're just trying to copy the formula... They've got this story which doesn't really match up, but they're still trying to copy the exact same formula and port it over. So the, 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 the thing that struck me the most about the movie, apart from the terrible CGI, no, I'm not just talking about the removal of the moustache, the terrible, terrible oh, yeah. CGI in yeah, the general. Last, the last 45 minutes of the film. The week, uh, Steppenwolf was a terrible, terrible... Uh, Villain. And, he, and, and Superman just comes back and he's like, nah, you're dead. Kind of like, what, what's wrong with you guys? Why can't you deal with this? This really, obviously really bad villain was the forced humour. The humour was so bad and forced. None of it was funny. None of it at all. And I just, it, it was cringeworthy. How much of that do you think was the Joss Whedon rewrites? Not the reshoots, but the rewrites. 
Um, or do I, you think do you think one of others just like went? I, I think I think what, what they said we need more humor in it because what Zack Snyder did was like you said big and dark because he's that's what he wants for the DC DCU. He wants big and dark. Um, but it's pretty evident throughout his movies. Um, yeah, and you know, upper management was like, we need jokes in this. Uh, you got Flash; he's comedy relief. Um, but make the others make jokes as well, and just with him kind of just did what he thought he could. But then Aquaman was just some kind of dude, bro. He's such a bro. What? There's a ten minute sequence in the film, the action sequence towards the end, hmm. where the only dialogue in it is Aquaman's, and he has three lines in it, and in order they are, oh no, sorry, they are, yeah. My man and all right. Those are his. That is all the dialogue for ten minutes of the film. It's it's so stupid. Ah, oh, Steppenwolf appearing out of nowhere, just turning up. Mother boxes. That sounds stupid, and is was really stupid. Just it's such an irrelevant. Um, uh, uh, what's the, what's the word? MacGuffin. Mm. Um, but also. There, as with all of these things as with evil Superman as with the Justice League generally there is a more interesting story that someone clearly had in their head but was not allowed to tell the mother boxes really indicates to me there is a thing in, in the comics about mother boxes and Steppenwolf and what it is is that he's insane he he talks to this this thing that he thinks is his mum that turns out to be I want to say Galactus but that's the wrong Darkseed <laughs> yes yeah um uh, and he's he, he, like he, he's he's driven insane by these conversations that he has before he even gets to Earth. Um, that's fun, but obviously, I, I reckon there's two levels of conversations at Warner Brothers. One is, hey, we need to be much more like Marvel, and the other is, oh, that's a bit too much like Marvel. Maybe we should rein it in. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so just, <laughs> just, going just, just decide. I can imagine them going on at the same time on two different halves of the right, same table. Right. Absolutely, <laughs> that is what's happening. That's how they made. That's the only explanation for how they made Justice League. That's the the two moustache conversations happening at the same time. <laughs> we should CGI, no? We can just CGI. Yeah, it'd be fine. Or should we go fake moustache? Mm, might look a bit weird. Combine those two conversations, and you get. Oh man, just think. Or, or no, maybe it's not even about thinking because maybe they overthought it. Maybe the point of Zack Snyder's thing is, at least, at least if they had insisted on going big and dark and not funny, if they'd, if they'd continued the path of Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman, at least Justice League would have had some integrity to it. Mm. It might not have been a fun film to watch, it might have tanked, but it, it wouldn't have tanked because it's Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. Mm. So it's kind of a built-in success, but... Um, it might have been derided critically, but at least it would have been true and have integrity and and be an honest piece of work rather than this dirty, messy, confused, immature, stupid, far-reaching, crowd-pleasing nonsense. It was, wasn't crowd-pleasing at all. Mm-hmm. They were clearly aiming for crowd-pleasing and failing miserably. And when you put it up alongside... Things like Thor Ragnarok, mm. which is so effortlessly funny. I've not seen it mm. yet. <laughs> but from what I understand of it, it's effortlessly funny. It is, it is. 
and light and also Spider-Man which managed to be really great really good natured and funny and, 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 and good willed but at the same time have a bit of an emotional punch to it the scene where you find out spoilers for Spider-Man Homecoming have you seen it? I've seen it yeah, yeah okay. when, you, when you find out that Michael Keaton is what's her name's dad yeah like that is uh, <laughs> that's, that's a that's quite a, a gut punch that moment yeah I can't imagine anything like that ever happening in any DC movie ever like there's not a single character I care about enough for that to happen and this is from someone who's been reading Batman comics since they were eight um, it's a whole bunch of characters I love I, I, one of the things um, we were talking about the Infinity War trailer yeah. which came out recently as yeah. well and you were you said you see kind of a lot of the same cues but will it do, do you think it will do better though because pretty much all the characters in that are to some degree fleshed out in previous movies well, Apart from maybe Thanos. That, that's, that's very interesting. Well, yeah, the main comparison I was making, actually, between the Infinity War trailer and Justice League was the fact that, ultimately, a bad guy appearing out of nowhere who's not introduced and isn't set into the universe, and I don't care what people say about like post-credit scenes, Thanos is not a part of the MCU until he arrives, mm. right? Until he actually has something to do with some stories. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's about... I, and the, so my sorry, my worry is that, that that trailer, the Infinity War trailer, just shows him arriving. Like Steppenwolf just arrives and goes, basically lands on Earth and literally goes, "I am a bad guy. Time to fight." <laughs> um, so I, I can't imagine Thanos not doing that as well, and that worries me. But at the, but the realization I made since having that conversation with you just before we started recording <laughs> um, is actually the Marvel films will do it right because Marvel films are better. They're just good films. I believe that if if Paul Feige, sorry Kevin Feige, and his team with whatever director had made Justice League, it would have been a better film. The the they they are so sure of themselves in Marvel that the characters have consistency, and it's really interesting you talk about characters being fleshed out. Actually, Superman has had you know five hours of screen time. Across Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, and, and 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 Justice League spoilers for Justice not League, very, <laughs> not really. but not very many lines. Yeah, right. Um, well, he was in the last trailer, actually, wasn't he? With a moustache. They released a trailer where he had a bloody moustache. Really, I, yeah, that. I oh, didn't see that. It's such a mess, man. Actually, I noticed um, there's a, one of the trailers. Uh, Steppenwolf is talking, and he starts talking about. Uh, he has his line where he says. Um, your planet hasn't got blah 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 it has no no rings and I was like that is kind of what got me excited for the movie because I'm a big Green Lantern fan and I was like oh we're going to see some Green Lantern in there maybe even some Dark Seed or something and it just it didn't do any of that like it was in the trailer why put it in the trailer if you're not putting it in the movie there was a Green Lantern in the film there was in that CGI scene where they all in the first minute in their fighting the Lord of the Rings scene Yes, yes, yeah. The the bit that completely ripped off of the race. Yeah. Um, so what I was going to say about characters being fleshed out Sorry. and being no, 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 that's cool. That, there's a good point to make. Don't don't promise things. Mm. That's always been my problem with any film that I don't like is that it doesn't deliver what it promises. So mm. don't promise stuff. 
Yeah. Don't promise a green lantern. Don't go, hey, we're set in the DC world so there could be a green lantern any second and not give her a green lantern. That sucks. That's draining for an audience member. Um, my thing about the characters being fleshed out, my argument is actually that Superman and Batman, frankly, and certainly Wonder Woman as well, she's had her own film as well, um, they could have been fleshed out if they had been one character. It is my opinion that we have seen one actor, Henry Cavill, play three or four completely different Superman. Three or four completely different Clark Kent, let alone Superman. Because there was a thing in the late 90, 80s, early 90s called the Reign of Superman where he was actually split into four different kind of personalities just after the death of Superman. Um, uh, um, I thought they might be doing something like that. No, it, it's, it's bad writing. Batman in this new DC universe. Post Christopher Nolan, Batman, Ben Affleck has played three different Bruce Wayne. Sorry, two different Bruce Waynes. Mm. <clears throat> the, the, Bruce, the, the Batman in Justice League is not the Batman in Batman vs Superman. Batman vs Superman. I suppose you could argue. Murderer. Yeah, argue that before he saw the light, which is Superman, he was one way, and then he saw Superman and how great he is, and you know, lightened up. That is that, just to play devil's advocate. No, yeah, I like that. That would be a valid excuse, were it not for the fact that he's still pouring himself flipping pints of whiskey, which Bruce Wayne. In what? If you want to keep yourself in peak physical prowess, you don't drink pints of whiskey, mm. and you don't offer it to Prince uh, to Diana Prince either. Mm. Keep that sh- keep that to yourself. She doesn't want any of that. <laughs> uh, um, I, the, the, the jokes he made just didn't fit either. Oh. Go back to the jokes. Oh, but, they really but like, so I'm not, I'm not against. Bridge. I'm oh. not against Batman being funny because he makes dad jokes. That's what I. That's what I feel. I've seen Batman do in the past in comic books and stuff. But these were like, these were like really silly jokes that I don't see Batman making. Uh, yeah, he would never. If 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 a good Batman writer had written the exchange where Flash says to him, so what's your special power? The answer would not have been that execrable, I'm rich, that they hung every trailer around. Mm. Like, don't say that about him, you assholes. Mm. In the comics, he would have responded, I'm the best detective in the world. I'm one of the best engineers. Mm. Like, he has a CV that makes him superhuman. That's the point Mm. of Bruce Wayne. The other thing is that I mean, I don't know. They they kind of need to explore. They, yeah, they, to be fair, they haven't had a chance to explore Batman's character at all. Mm-hmm. He's just been reacting to stuff so far, and I think that might be the problem with the DC gen- the universe generally. You know, we we got to see Spider Man doing some Spider Man stuff mm-hmm. for for a long, long while before we had to get into. Oh, and now he's got this crazy cross to bear, and he's got a big mm-hmm. fight about coming up. Okay, I mean, this is the kind of thing we could talk about a long time. I do suspect that we're going to talk about it on the next edition probably a little bit. In fact, it might be a a key kind of topic point next Mm. time is is the difference between Marvel and DC because I know our guests will want to to mention those things as well. Um, uh, So maybe we should move off it before my blood blood actually starts to run out of my ears. Mm. Um, So, but just before we started talking about it, you did say that the, th- the problem you had with it might surprise yeah, me. Yeah. Um, 
it wasn't actually it was just a comedy bit so it did not really surprise you I'm guessing I, I came away from the film with no joy, so it wasn't nothing could surprise me. If he had said, "Oh, it was the shape of Batman's cowl," I would have gone, yeah, 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 it was a bit puffy. It's weird. It was. It was just that. The, yeah, there was a specific point. It was just that. Even the Flash, even the 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 he he was a comedy device in the movie. Mm. And even his jokes were just like, oh, shut up. <laughs> just shut up. Yeah, because they were very character jokes. They weren't writing jokes. They were like, it was as if Zack Snyder had written a script and then said to him, we need something to be funny in this. Can you just do funny stuff? Can you be funny? He was like, yeah, I can. Have you written me any jokes? No, no. No jokes. Just be funny, yeah? All right. <laughs> and we got that. And this is, remember, the same movie franchise that allowed uh, 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 um, Lex Luthor to be a, a high-pitched w- little weirdo, like funny clowny guy. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put a jar of pee on your desk. What? Lex Luthor? What? All right. Yeah, I was so, uh, uh, I guess, spoilers, but I was supp- so disappointed to see him in the end credits scene. Oh, I'd left by then. I, I, I that was did, a good. That was a good move. I did watch. Move. I did watch the mid credit scene. No, the race. The race. Yeah, yeah. Which is okay. Like it was. Yeah. yeah. But that's. I don't know. I, I, I'm one of these people that can can pick apart moments like that and and really investigate them because to me they represent the whole. Having a moment where Superman and the Flash race. They do so, because. Of the question that loads of people ask, hey, who's faster, Superman or the Flash? Mm. And in the comic books, they've had like I think five or six races since the Flash was invented or first appeared. Um, uh, my question is though, hey Zach, who was asking you that question specifically? Like, like you are, you've got to the stage where someone you're assuming that people out there would go. It's not even assuming that they're asking the question. It's assuming that the fans will know that that question has been asked. And so we're going to do a scene about it. Mm. That's not how you write a film. Write a story. Think of a story mm. first. Everything else will come. Mm. If you find yourself going, oh, uh, back in the 70s, fans used to ask this about a comic uh, that, that was out then. Let's, let's, let's assume people remember that question and answer it again now. That's pathetic. And someone should have stopped it. And it sounds like the Kevin thingy at the top is 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 a money grabbing horror to have allowed a, a family tragedy to stand in the way. Sorry, of, of... you mean uh, Kevin Sujaro? Yeah. Okay. What did I say? I thought you said Kevin Feige. Sorry. Oh no, I said Ke- Kevin Thingy me because I can. Oh right, Anyway, sorry, I'm just, just ranting more. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm, I'm it's shit. Don't watch it. Yeah, that's our recommendation, guys. Zero stars. Yeah. Let's. Do you know what? The world is a dark place. We've got Justice League out. We've got morons in power all over the place, and horrible, horrible things are happening yeah. to everyone. There is solace in the world, though. Video games have been good. It's been a very good year. Really good. Year. Very, very good year. Let's um. Let's have a little look at, at what won at Game and the Golden Joysticks. 
Yeah. What, the overall winner of Game of the Year? We'll get into our Game of the Year afterwards, I think. No, I mean at, at the award show. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, let's... Because uh, I know what it is. <laughs> you know what? Oh, uh, who won the thing last night? Yes, yeah. It was the same game. Right, okay, well, that's easy, isn't it? Yeah. Well, let's let... Do, do you want to talk about any of the other characters? <laughs> categories? I guess, to, from my point of view, Golden Joysticks was actually very predictable. I, was, I didn't see the game ones, but the Golden Joysticks were, like, best storytelling, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, that's, that's about right. The, the thing that people came away from Horizon Zero Dawn saying was, actually, the, the, the integrity of the side quest and all that kind of stuff and the world was really nicely done. Well done, mm. storytellers. Best visual design? Cuphead. Again, yeah, no, I yeah. Can't, you can't argue with that. Not even really. like, not even. No one can have a problem with that. Um, best audio, Legend of Zelda. I mean, you know better than that. The Breath of the Wild. Uh, the best gaming performance. Now, this is interesting. This one, right? I, it's almost like I, I, I don't know. I'd be interested in, in seeing that particular category fleshed out a little more. They should have a couple of performance awards because. It only occurred to me when, when looking at Ashley Birch, the work she did on Horizon Zero Dawn, how much... Um, these guys put in a lot of work. Hmm. And actually listen to Troy Baker talking about uh, Last of Us as well. Like, these are years of their lives they're putting in. Yeah. And we don't... Because we're controlling the characters physically, it feels a little bit like we're controlling them mentally. Actually, these characters are really well drawn and really beautifully performed by these people. Hmm. And so, yeah, I think... Um, and actually, uh, Aloy in Horizon Zero Dawn was a character that could have been a bit grating, could have been a bit sarcastic, could have been a bit uh, naive. And actually, she was played with a real honesty and maturity and uh, reality. And yeah, that was a that is a a well deserved thing. Now that said, there were a couple of controversies for me at the Golden Joysticks. Mm. Um, Friday the Thirteenth. I was I was actually just looking at that and I was like, mm, I'm not Picked sure. up best indie game. Now that, for a start, what classifies as an indie game nowadays? I thought Cuphead was an indie game. Well, I mean, as long as it's not picked up by a big publisher. Which maybe the question is, what is a big publisher these days? We're talking about EA, Screen Ubisoft, ScreenX. Um... I, I, I don't know. I guess an indie studio is just like a small team. Smallish team, yeah. maybe. So what happens to sort of raise the dead, but um, uh, uh, if, if, a, if, if an indie distrib- if an indie programmer gets picked up by a big distributor, then it's no longer an indie game. Just because it's been given the platform to... Mm, I guess. Well, best VR game Resident Evil 7... At the time, yeah, I yeah. agree with that. It's a shame. Will you change your opinion now? Well, they 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 released Skyrim just after. The but, have, have you played it? Yeah. No, I haven't. Okay. To be honest, I'm 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 about to. I've had as we'll get on to chatting about. I've had a lot of other games going. Okay. On. Um. I I mean, will Skyrim really take that away? Do you think? From Resident Evil, I get, it, sh- it shouldn't because obviously it's not an original. Mm property and I mean just action. quality of game as a VR game there's no doubting that Resident Evil 7 the VR version adds uh, uh, an element of absolute terror 
to it. And if that's what the makers of Resident Evil 7 are after, then yeah, it was very successful. It was too scary for me, and I've got quite a lot of resilience to those kind of things. Mm. So if it was too scary for me, it's, it's certainly effective, but this is one of those questions where it's effective the same as successful. If you play a game that's unplayably scary and horrible, <laughs> is mm. that good? <laughs> like, as opposed to Skyrim, which is the first actually expansive game to be to be put on VR. Mm. Yeah. Um, Best multiplayer game is a game that's not out yet. Uh, the Golden Joysticks? Yes. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. They haven't actually officially released it. It's in early really? access. Yeah. Which I kind of disagree with. Um, because if they release it in January next year, does it qualify the next year's worth of rewards as well? Or how does that work? There must be... I don't know. I don't know. Most awards have, have, do have rules attached to them, like a certain number of people playing or a certain amount of time, mm. even beta, and all that okay. kind of stuff. Um, but I, 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 I met the PUBG guy. Uh, yeah. For someone who's suddenly found themselves incredibly rich and popular, he's a really nice guy. Very down to earth. Okay. <laughs> really, really, really demure. He won seven Guinness World Records. Uh, the golden joysticks like the guy from Guinness came down and gave him oh, seven wow. Guinness World Records but they were they're quite obscure records you know they're like things like um, most people playing a certain thing at a certain time <laughs> on a certain day you know um, yeah it was pretty good uh, yeah um, outstanding contribution to the UK games industry Debbie Bestwick uh, she is one of the founders of Team 17 and I happen to really agree with that um, mm-hmm. uh, with that Award, yeah. yeah. Team Seventeen. Without Team Seventeen, I'm not sure I'd be a gamer now. To be honest, man. Like, their 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 games were so influential, and I'm still excited when, like, they released Worms, Battlegrounds on uh, on PlayStation Network recently, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I get to play this now. It's so, it's, they play they make fun party games, and that's that's an amazing thing. My only lament about Team Seventeen is that they haven't released Lemmings. But they haven't re-released Lemmings, and it's it's a perfect game. I I I, I there's there's kind of imitators of mm-hmm. Lemmings uh, on the app stores. There's one called Zombies, and obviously things like that. But, but Lemmings was the 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 zyker, the pinnacle. I loved it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I mean to be honest, the Worms. I've I've played so much Worms throughout my life. It's like one of those games when I think back to the classic games. It's up there with Mario mm. and all that. So, mm. Have you seen it recently? I haven't played it recently. I actually bought one the other day, I think. Because yeah. um, they do the, 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 the new one they've just released is the one they're kind of banking on being a bit of a comeback. Backgrounds. Mm. I don't know if it's going to be a comeback because it's still the same kind of formula. This is the thing. Did you play the original Worms? Yeah. So there was Worms, then there was Worms Armageddon, and those two games took up three years of my life I mean but the like, thing is if, if, if I played this one and then I played Armageddon I think I, I wouldn't like I would be fine playing Armageddon yep you know I I have no reason to to leave Armageddon because well this it's, this is the thing I've I've, I've yeah this, the, what you're going to enjoy the graphics more no it's all about that physics isn't it yeah and the weapons and actually 
I've got a few friends who have started playing Worms recently, as opposed to like 20 years ago when it first came out. Okay. And so they only know Worms of Mass Destruction or, you know, that, the more recent games where you've got things like Concrete Donkey. Okay. Using that? Yeah. The doosh, right. Doosh, doosh. That's a game winner. Yeah. You used to get them? Maybe Cluster Bomb. The, the hilarity of the hilarity of those first two Worms games was how easy it was to kill yourself. Mm. It's brilliant. The physics of it was brilliant. Just one pixel out of place for where you're tracking a thing and everyone's dead. You're just hurling Worms into the water and it's, it's so much fun. And it feels a little bit like they've lost... They've, they've replaced... They, they, they thought that the humour was coming from the... Let's go! And the funny little Worm voices and all that mm. kind of stuff. But actually... No, you create your own comedy really nicely in those games. Mm. But, I mean, Team 17 are also publishing a lot of games now. Oh, yeah? Um, no. I'm blanking. They feel like arcade I feel like I've seen their stuff at the beginning of some arcade releases. Mm. Re-releases, sorry. There was an indie game which they published recently which did quite well. A Lifetime Achievement Award went to Sid Meier at the Golden Joysticks. Surprised mm. he hasn't already got it. Um... An ultimate game of the year was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I mean, it's not, not really a big surprise, really. No. Uh, I think everyone kind of expected it. Uh, I, mean, the, I mean, the only real contenders this year were Horizon Zero Dawn, Mario Odyssey and Legend of Zelda. Yeah. And actually, it's it's interesting to see how much Microsoft has suffered this year a little bit, just by looking at the awards. Like, <laughs> um, PlayStation and, and Nintendo have done really well. Sony and Nintendo have done really well. I feel like Microsoft has been in a bit of a rut uh, for the past two years, maybe. Oh, right, okay. Um, their exclusives, where are their... They, if they have an exclusive, it's never very critically acclaimed. They don't have a franchise. Like, they had a Halo before. Oh, but yeah. after the two last two Halo games, people are kind of, really? you know, getting over it. Yeah, and why wouldn't they when there's there's yeah there's better things. Right? I guess Overwatch is the closest to a a good game, a good multiplayer game that they've had. Like, well, I don't know. But I mean, Overwatch is on everything, so you're right. Well, it's, it hasn't got really much to do with Microsoft. Even looking at the breakdown, of the, the, the Golden Joystick, the Golden Joystick Awards. How they award? They they do a Nintendo game of the year, a PlayStation game of the year, an Xbox game of the year, and a PC yeah. game of the year. Nintendo was Legend of Zelda, obviously. Yeah. Um, PlayStation, and and I, actually, it's worth noting that Super Mario Odyssey had not come out by the time the voting finished on the Golden Joysticks Awards. Right. Okay. So Mario Odyssey was not eligible. Right. So basically, that's what there's one game for Nintendo. That's it. Um, PlayStation game of the year, Horizon Zero Dawn. Again. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Xbox game of the year, Cuphead. Really? I mean, great. It's it's a, it looks amazing, fiendishly difficult, all that. But really? I mean, what else did they have apart right. from Cuphead and and PUBG? Forza. PUBG. <laughs> you make some. Do you know what happened? I, PlayStation. I think it was like four years ago. They cracked fun. Mm. Sony went. We're only going to allow games that are fun to play. We're going to be. We're going to put ourselves halfway between Nintendo and Xbox in terms of. Fun and immersion in, in games and how much of a, a, a pure gamer you need to be to get on with our games. Mm. It's halfway house and it's one that works really well, especially for me. Yeah, Xbox seems to have done the opposite. Microsoft have kind of gone, hey, let's not have any fun with any of our games. Let's make them rich and deep 
difficult to include the fun. But, but the thing is, they're exclusives. It's, it's like they're not going out there to kind of get exclusives. It's always these timed exclusives or right. or something. It gives me no reason to buy an Xbox. I have literally no reason to have an Xbox right now because I've got a PC mm. for everything in between. You're, you've got uh, a badass PC as well. Yeah. Like, it's not even a... Yeah, but I mean, even still, if you... It, there's nothing on the Xbox that is a system seller right now. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. There, there have been other times when I've been tempted to get an Xbox. I mean, they, okay, so they've come out with the um, with the new Xbox, which does 4K gaming, like better than the. It's, it's more powerful than the PS4. But that's about it. There's no games to play on it apart from ones you can get on, you know, your older console. Mm. But it seems like that more powerful thing. Yeah, let me know. Like we say, it doesn't apply unless the games are good. Mm. And they have nothing on the horizon either. People weren't clamouring for more power out of the console. They were clamouring for gameplay. (laughs) And and if they don't want to... It seems like the timing is really weird. To be fair, I don't really like the the idea of the, the PS Pro either. Like... If it, it sounds like they're going to bring out a PS5 fairly soon, mm. so bringing out a PS Pro is a bit of a. The thing is, the PS4 I kind of understand. If this happens every generation, though, mm. having a Pro version of a console, mm. then it doesn't. I think the PS4 Pro was there to take advantage of mm. a new display technology people are having. Mm. A lot of people have 4K TVs now, yeah. so they needed a console that did 4K, basically. But if next year they release a PS5 and a PS5 Pro with a little bit more power in it, then I'm I'm really against that. I think that's really stupid. Apple released the S iPhones. Hmm. And no one really complains about that too much. And they're even more frequent than consoles. I guess, yeah. yeah. And more expensive. And more life-invading. Um... So maybe, maybe it is something people just get used to. Oh, time to upgrade to the Pro. They've bought out the Pro version of this now. Time to upgrade. Uh, it's going to be the thought rather than, can you stop? Why not just give us the Pro version yeah. and stop with the non-Pro? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I, d- I don't mind hardware revisions in general. Like, if it's something small which will make massive impact to my experience, I'm not experiencing a game in a totally different way, mm. then it's okay. But, like, for example, uh, the difference between PSVR version 1 and version 2 is that uh, version 2 has just a single cable right. attached to it. Right. And you attach that to the box, and then the box goes into the Oh, box. I see. Oh, nice. Um, it doesn't cost more. It's the same thing. It's just mm. a hardware revision because maybe they have the technology now. Maybe they've sourced better parts. Or this something. is the PSVR you're about to get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is there an extra? Because my PSVR has... An external processor. Yeah, yeah, still external still processor. Okay, still got that. Still right. got all of that. Um, it's it's virtually the same. It's just different to that one cable. And well, I would have got. It's only for stability anyway, isn't it? Or is it actually power? It's power and everything. It's oh, right. Just one. Cable. <coughs> okay. Isn't it? How many cables come out of your one? A fair off you. Okay. One of them has to go in the front of the PlayStation. Okay. That's that's the that's the annoying one. I right. assume that you're talking about. Yeah. 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 That cable is really dumb. 
it has to go in the front USB port. Mm. So yeah, that's not very design. This is a good. Uh, this is a good game of the year discussion we're having. Yeah, where did we do, <laughs> how did we get here? <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the game awards as well. Mm. So, what won? What didn't? What, what happened? Um, Zelda. Zelda won everything. Was there a concession <laughs> for Horizon Zero Dawn at all? Um, I'm not entirely sure. There wasn't that much. Like I, I know that um, mostly Zelda picked up most of the awards. Uh, What's What Remains of Edith Finch? Ooh, I've heard of that. Best oh. narrative. I think it's a walking sim. Uh, I, I don't... I don't say that in a derogatory way. I just know that as being the genre name. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, yes, I think it's, it's set in a house at night and you're walking around. Yeah. Um, anyway, what, what did that mean? What did, what did that win? Best Indie? Um, that won Best Performance, I think. Best Performance. Okay. Oh, no, no, my bad. Uh, that one. We're not checking our phones. He's just trying to remember. Best Narrative. Best Narrative, you did say. Best right. Narrative. Okay. Um, but Best Performance uh, went to Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. That's interesting. That is a bit of a... Uh, uh, did you play Hellblade? No, but I did watch some of the behind-the-scenes... Yeah. Um, the work they put into the motion capture and everything. Before that film, no, film, before that game came out, there was a lot of buzz about it being an interesting and realistic depiction of mental health problems. Mm. And the second that happened, I was like, oh, that's going to be, that, that's quite an interesting thing to have a computer game carrying a prestige kind of weight to it. Um, like, a, like a film. You know when you watch a film that's desperate to get an Oscar you can kind of tell mm. it felt a little bit like Hellblade was doing that I know that's very cynical of me I'm sure there's there were loads of pro- there, there are definitely many programmers and game designers and people who love video games who have mental health problems depression anxiety horrible things to happen and I'm sure they would want to express those issues through gaming I, I'm not sure Hellblade did do that it didn't make a huge amount of noise when it was released did it it kind of mm. sank a little bit I don't know I felt like people were talking about it and that it was pretty decent but it was just as a game it wasn't it wasn't the complete package like That's the combat game. wasn't yeah. wasn't there oh, right, okay. uh, that was the general sentiment that I picked up okay okay well that's the danger I suppose isn't it it's mm. got to be good yeah to be seen um, but Neo Automata won best music <laughs> yeah, it's it's great, and do you know what? I think they probably won. I'd, I'd like to talk about that game a little later on in our game of the year discussion. Um, but uh, it's very clever what that game is. And you and I played the first like you, you saw me play the first like ten minutes of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a game that borrows from so many different genre and types of arcade game. Um, and then sets it in this lush world. Yeah, the music reflects that really well. It does. It's like a, um, it's a real homage to all the different genre of video game music. Yeah, all mashed into one. But uh, it does that. I feel like from the first like twenty minutes. Yeah, it does that with the actual game itself. Yeah, yeah it's it a homage to different game types. 
Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and okay. and it it, um, it even has moments where you, did you ever remember those like nineties J uh, Japanese uh, uh, RPGs, text based RPGs particularly, where you've got this really plinky plonky lovely ah music over something quite actiony and and dark. Yeah, it's a really weird and and Nia does that quite nicely as well. Um, I, I think as a joke. Because it suddenly goes into like crazy dark music afterwards. But yeah, um, it's very funny. Unless that's just a Japanese trope I'm not really picking up on. Because I'm not culturally aware enough. Well, actually, another get one of the games you want to talk about today, Persona 5, won Best RPG. Did it? It did, yeah. Which yeah. I'm kind of surprised about. I honestly thought it would go to Divinity. Well... We were selling dangerously close to the conversation we're about to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so name when you name Divinity, because uh, yeah, someone said that in a computer game shop recently. I was like, oh, my friend plays that. He said it was. He said it's completely. Lo- he's completely lost in it for like weeks. Um, uh, talking about you. <laughs> um, uh, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that happens. Yeah. Um, uh, this guy looked like he hadn't seen the light for like weeks. <laughs> uh, yeah, but. Um, Maybe we should talk about... Well, well, do you know what, actually? At the Golden Joystick Awards, again, and I'm a bit of a, you know, I'm a PlayStation guy, um, and they have runners-up for the PlayStation Awards, and, and the, the top three PlayStation games were Nier, um, P5, and Horizon Zero Dawn. And that's, that's a pretty good lineup for me. I was like, yeah, that's... Well, no spoilers. Let's get into the conversation. What, what Last year, we kind of had our... Game of the year each, mm. and we each had a runner-up as well. Yeah. Um, this year, why don't we do honourable mentions? Because there's a couple of games that that I'd like to talk about, maybe, that we haven't talked about in the podcast, like Shadow of War. But that's not an honourable mention, All right, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a mention. Okay, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's mention a couple of games then. Let's do, let's do our video games. Okay, let's, let's do Shadow of War first. All right. Yeah. So... I mean, the last time we spoke, uh, I had just started playing it, and I said, it's not all quite there for me, but I'm still quite early on, um, I'm hoping it opens up like the first game after a little while. Yeah. Um, I don't think it ever did that for me. No, I was, I was disappointed with, um, I expected seven or nine regions, I don't know why I'd got those numbers into my head, but five didn't seem like enough. But the thing is, the regions weren't that different, so... Vaguely different biomes. Actually, you could be quite... You could be forgiven for thinking you were in a completely different place if you were in one of the, the strongholds. Yeah. Um, uh, also, classic money-grabbing... Um, oh, here's a whole other region that you have to pay for to get. That's not cool. Stop doing that. Um, that's the DLC, I think, that's coming out in February or March or something. Oh, Okay. Uh, there's a, there is a sixth region that they're opening up, but apparently you're not even allowed to play as Talion in it. You've got to play as uh, that dude from the Gondorians. Like, actually, before we start this conversation, can <laughs> okay. can can I go into spoiler territory? Yes, yeah, spoil Shadow of War. It's, it's yeah. So That's so spoilers. the end of the story is that Talion doesn't amount to anything, and this whole thing has been pointless. Is that, am I wrong or was that the message? Because he just turns into a wraith and then gets killed by a rock from Mount Doom at some point. How did you see that ending? 
I think I watched it on YouTube. Right. Because I had to play through the entire Shadow Wars. Yeah, I was not going to do that. What's interesting is, obviously when you see something like that, two, two thoughts occurred to me. One was, can they do Shadow of War 2? Like, as, or, 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 or Shadow of Mordor 3. Um, Shadow of Mordor 2, Shadow of War 2. How would you name that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be something else. It would be Shadow of something, wouldn't it? Be Shadow, Shadow of Wardor. <laughs> Shadow of Wardor. I like that. That's good. I, I don't... I, it, it looks like they won't release a new one. No. Um, and that kind of makes sense to me, because where could they go with it? Yeah. Really. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that... Well, it's not... Okay, here's two things. It's not a spoiler, because we already know that at the start of The Hobbit, let alone Fellowship of the Ring, mm. um, Mordor is under Sauron's control. Mm. Which it isn't. In, it, it kind of is, but you're fighting for it not to be in, war, uh, in Shadow War. Um, so, yeah, uh, you knew that something bad was going to happen at the end of one of these games. But the thing is, most, most people knew that it isn't canon. And kind of accepted the fact that in, this isn't, this is not something Tolkien came up with. This is, they've taken liberties with this franchise to make it an entertaining story. Yeah. Yeah, there's a really weird... So they should, I think they should have just run with that. I don't see why yeah. it can't be canon. I mean, I guess it can be now. Mm. But... But, like the, the but I think the Tolkien estate has said it's not kind of oh, okay, fair enough. Like they did take some liberties, certainly with Shelob. Yeah, exactly. I mean, why they thought that she should have been Sauron's ex-girlfriend. Mm. Like, that's a weird choice. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I don't have a problem with that, really. The storytelling, like, it, it could have been an inglorious bastards thing where... where uh, Italian kills Sauron at the end but everyone would have gone eh? <laughs> um, uh, but yeah like they, they uh, yes his life doesn't amount to much and I think that's kind of the point he could, I think I think <laughs> you spent this time this much time grinding in this game yeah and it doesn't amount to anything I, and grind I really did grind I did a total of I think 40 sieges across the whole game oh my god across only four Strongholds, and that's the sieges you play in Acts one to three, or Acts two and three, really. And Act four is thirty sieges in a row, and nothing else. So I only did ten sieges, right? Right. Yeah, and I was already sick of them. Trying thirty more, maybe not thirty. So the first seven rounds is two each of so fourteen, and then the next two is three, so twenty, twenty-four, twenty-four more sieges I did. Okay. Oh, so I guess making a total, oh no, total of about thirty-four, thirty-five. Yeah, there's enough sieges. Like, genuinely, towards the, I was like, how many stages are there? Uh, seriously, can this... It was one of those weird, horrible things that you get with video games every now and again that are bad and long. Like, Skyrim got to that stage with me. Because they're the radial missions, you can never complete Skyrim. Mm. It got, did get to a stage where I was like, I, I have to just stop. Like, this yeah. is horrible. Shadow of War does have an ending, and it still made me think that. So... Yeah, uh, there's so many game-breaking things in it as well. The, the, the bosses, the captains, having their little introductory speech, 
was fun for the first three bosses. From that point on, it became a pace-breaking annoyance. Like, literally, I'd be in the middle of a battle, a captain would turn up, and I'd literally have to just sit and wait for up to 30 seconds of nonsense banter before I was allowed to carry on the fighting. And and, and it, it, it... Do you know what? That wouldn't be so bad if the content weren't better. Like, if they spoke quickly. The problem with making Uruk High do jokes is that they speak really slowly. Yeah, yeah. So, so not only is it pace-breaking, it's you, also uh, slow. They, you could have just made those skippable. Why didn't they make them skippable? Why aren't they skippable? When you start hearing the same things mm. again and again. Yeah, that's And um, I really hated, I really hated uh, the comedian, I forgot his name, Pakistani comedian, American guy mm. uh, from uh, Silicon Valley. He did one of the, he did um, a captain's voice. Really? Yeah. It sounded so out of place. What's the voice in name? No, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really embarrassed. I, I can't remember his name because I... I you I, listen I, to his podcast and I, you introduced I, me to his podcast. Yes, yeah, and I love him in Silicon Valley. The Big Sick is one of my favourite films. Oh, yeah, I watched The Big Sick. What do you think? It was pretty decent. Yeah, it's pretty it's decent. Funny. It's yeah. funny. It's, it's, a, it's a perfect film. It's not one of my favourite films, but it's a perfect film. Like, there's nothing you could criticise it for necessarily hmm. um, uh, but oh god I can't remember his wife's name Emily Gordon and his name his name oh my days I keep thinking of his character's name in Silicon Valley which I can't say out loud because it <laughs> makes me sound very racist so come on um, I'm just going to look him up yeah please do. Bug me. Put, put me out of my misery I think he's going to bug everyone I'm going to try uh, yeah I would have turned off by now um <laughs> I'm going to try and remember it uh, before you find it. Um, it looks like it's going to take me a while. Yes, come on stupid. now. Stupid. Uh, oh, no. Come on. Listener, can you help? Just shout it. No, no, you probably are TJ shouting. Miller's leaving the show? Oh, yeah, did you not know that? I did not know that. Well, I mean, they, did you see the end of the last series? No, I haven't seen this before. Oh, it's it's. <laughs> Quite explicit if you have seen season four. Oh, right, leaving. okay. It's a shame. It's a real shame. But apparently, it's not because of any disagreements. It's simply because he's kind of just had enough. Kumail Nanjiani. Kumail Nanjiani. What a legend. Yeah, and so he's one of the voices. Yeah, he, he voices it, but he doesn't put on a voice. He, he talks in his normal think, voice. I don't think he can put on a voice. I've heard him. I, I think. I don't think he can do a voice. But, um, that's fair enough. I don't think he even considers himself an actor necessarily. Like, but um, which which voice is he? He's just a, one of the captains. A random one, or a or random a one. one that you a random one. So maybe you just didn't encounter. How could you not have encountered him? Bear in mind that by the time I might have encountered, by the time I encountered him, I might have just been incensed with the speech and just switched okay, my mind, yeah, and not listened to it, or even muted it. Gone. I'm not listening to it. <laughs> um, so yeah that's a shame Shadow of, Mordor, Shadow of War was a bit of a shame it has so many enjoyable bits and and fun things to do it's fun to recapture that the, the, the Shadow Strike and stuff like that but actually yeah. if I was going to go back to Mordor to enjoy a video game I'd go to Shadow of Mordor not Shadow of War yeah I agree I agree I feel like everything was like even the the powers that you had in that felt better. 
I felt like the option tree. I, I found myself staring at it, thinking, "What do I want here?" So quickly, so, long. so quickly, you run out of of usable skills. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I, there was a stage where I was like, "Right, I am now literally just filling up blank spaces." Exactly, exactly. I did that a lot. I was like, like "Why would I want this?" You know, that's not cool. And also, they like every single power has has three available addenda and you're only allowed to have one of those addenda, uh, appendices yeah. active at any one time yeah. that's rubbish yeah yeah that's think. not a good use of it anything i think in their heads maybe they were thinking ah oh, this will really define the way that people fight or the It'll way they feel unique yeah yeah did the opposite i bet you you and i had exactly the same skills yeah. do you know what i mean there's no there's no it's very obvious what the good ones are yeah exactly oh man what a shame what a shame. I, I did... Shadow of Mordor grew on me and grew on me and grew on me as I played it. Shadow of War did the opposite. I yeah. really enjoyed the first couple of hours and then I was just like, uh-oh. Has it went on? Yeah. It's a shame. Why is... Do you know what? I cannot have met the Command One Journey captain because I absolutely would have gone, hang on. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine hearing his voice in Shadow of War. I would have gone, wait, 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 wait. wait. That's Command One Journey. Yeah. Where when they used the usual I mean, I didn't know he was in it, and then I reckon I actually really? recognised his voice, yeah. and I was like, "Why? He doesn't sound anything like any of the others." Yeah, but it's they do that. But video games do that sometimes. If they have a celebrity, a geeky celebrity fan, they'll get him in. Fallout New Vegas um, had uh, Matthew Perry from Friends because Matt Perry had talked about how much he liked Fallout Three. Oh, the makers really? of New Vegas got him in to be the 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 voice of the guy. Who kills you at the start of the game, and who runs the casino that you visit in Las Vegas in New Vegas? Okay, if you that means it means anything to you. Yeah, it does. Um, it does. Yeah. He was bad in it. Turns out he's not great at voice acting for for animation. Okay, like and it doesn't sound like him, but it is him. So it's it's kind of. But the thing is, I mean, the reason maybe I didn't notice it because Fallout generally had a lower standard of voice acting. <laughs> That's very, that is true. Then, then <laughs> that is very true. Fallout. Uh, I think I feel like. Oblivion had um, Sir Patrick Stewart in it, and he was really good. Mm. And I suppose Liam Neeson did a good job in Fallout Three, but everything else was rubbish, in my opinion. <laughs> Not rubbish. Rubbish is probably going too far, but it wasn't like wow, this is a, you know really good voice acting. I like the voicing of the super mutants in Fallout Three, and. Um... No, you're right. I... The well, voicing the... of the super mutants isn't yeah. that just. Rah! Yeah, I thought it was really good. Well, no, because you meet that super mutant, he becomes your companion towards the end. Oh, of the yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Green or uh, no Forks? Um, he's cool. Uh, his voice is really funny because it's clearly. Oh, and, and and I guess the super mutant mutant you, you, you meet you meet in, in Fallout Four. What's that? There's one you meet randomly as well in Fallout Three. Okay, it, it just reminds me because I played the start of Fallout Three so many times. Right. I remember <laughs> that encounter and like word for word. Right. <laughs> Um, I think I just think the super mutant's funny. It's the same guy that does all the voices, I think, including the females. But um, uh, 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 three dog is an embarrassment. I think whenever you have a kind of personality character in a video game, it gets really cheesy. Mm. Especially if that, if that character is a radio DJ. Three dog. Ow. It's like yeah, but I, I get that they were supposed to be um, kind of like. They were supposed to be stereotypical, I guess, of mm. the era. Um, but they would just went a tad too far. And most ah, of them. 
Yeah, no, you're right. And actually, that's the problem with the captains in uh, and the orcs in in um, Shadow War as well. Mm. They suffer from that same problem. That actually, it's t- it's too much. It's too it's too far. They're too diverse. And it's too weird, and it's yeah. too much in in the direction of things. For example, why was there an Australian Urukai? Bruce. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They even called him Bruce to sound like Bruce, yeah. which is the the archetypal like. It's the name of the shark in Jaw. It's, it's the name of the shark in, in Finding Nemo as well. Yeah. Um, Bruce, all right, Bruce, yeah. and his name is Bruce. Come on, what the flip is happening? Yeah, what 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 is that joke? Who's that joke for? Do loads of Australians play Shadow War specifically, and they love hearing an Australian accent on other? I don't. Anyway, so that yeah, everyone else has an English accent. Everyone. That's true. Yeah, every single person. Terrible. Um, another thing. Another video game. Should we move on? Yeah, yeah. I've done Shadow War. Yeah, me too. Like, I really, I've, I've even uninstalled it. Like the second I completed it, I went uninstalled. <laughs> so I'm, I just, or, I already know I'm never going back to it. Such a shame. Um, what, one thing I'd like to talk about a little bit before we talk about Game of the Year is uh, Horizon Zero Dawn Frozen Wilds. Okay. Uh, which I've also thoroughly completed. It's great. Yeah. It's great. It's, um... <laughs> ironically for a game that won best storytelling awards and best performance awards the main game the DLC Frozen Wilds relies very heavily on the kind of more spiritual aspect of the of the storytelling it's because of the three tribes that Aloy visits in the DLC the makers chose to make it be about the Banuk this very spiritual poetical tribe um uh, they're a tribe of hunter-gatherers and they have very strict code and their code is all about the song and the spirit and the song of life and the diddly-doo and oh, the mystery. Um, and actually, funnily enough, as with Fallout games, that kind of writing does take away from the other stuff. When you get into spiritual stuff, like Fallout New Vegas had a whole spiritual side of it. You are the courier and that means you are a person who travels a lot yeah. of things. You know, all that stuff. That's when games start to lose me a little bit in their writing. And, and Frozen Wilds is pretty much all of that. So what I did for Frozen Wilds is I put aside my critical, my writing critic faculties and just went, okay, it's just about gameplay. And the gameplay and the graphics. But the gameplay is amazing. Mm. And actually, it really does remind you there's so many things that happen in Frozen Wilds where you go, oh yeah, they had this in the main game. That's such a good idea. Oh, that's such a fun thing you could do. Oh yeah, it makes me want to play the main game again. And investigate it more, or just run around the, the world and just do stuff. Plus, yes, they've got new robot dinosaurs that are bigger and more difficult. They've got much better weapons. The, the, the thing that Frozen Wilds does, and I feel that it might be the developers catching up with the, with the players, in the main game, there is that amazing armour, the Shield Weaver armour, and the Shield Weaver armour changes the nature of the game because you can get hit more than once and that changes how you play the game and it makes it so much more fun. They've done that again in Frozen Wilds in, in a lot of different ways. New weapons, new mods, things like that. I, I think they're using Frozen... They seem to be using Frozen Wilds to be making the whole thing more fun when mm-hmm. you've completed it. Um, two things. I have yet to actually find out if that's true because I haven't completed Frozen Wilds. I'm like, no, I'm cool. But that's, that's a good amount of extra... Horizon Zero Dawn I'll come back to it if they get a new biome and even bigger robots whatever but, but until then I'm cool and secondly it might be too little too late if they are trying to kind of retro uh, 
uh, if they are trying to kind of retroactively change the main game with the add-ons you get in the DLC, I, I doubt that's, I, I doubt anyone will have a very different idea than me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. No one's no one who completed Horizon Zero Dawn is going to be playing Frozen Wilds and going, do you know what? I'm going to start another game in the main game. That's not why you play that. So anyway, I thoroughly recommend it. It's based around. It's a really cool idea. You get a whole new area of the map. It's very, very beautiful. Very cold, obviously. It's all snow. Um, but actually, you get these underground ruins that are lush with greenery and stuff. It's still mm. a very lively area of the map because it's on a volcano. They've got the kind of double whammy of it being very cold, but also you can still have it teeming with life. Mm. Um, and that volcano is a really cool thing for a video game I'm sure you could name one but I can't name another game where the map is so clearly based around something that's constantly visible you've got this constantly visible thing just spewing red and smoke and electricity into the air and wherever you are in the map is there and you know that you're going to end up there at some point I suppose I, I think the only thing I can I can think of is probably Zelda Ocarina of Time because uh, you can always see Mount Doom there. Right. There's a place called Mount Doom in it, sure. which you you end up visiting twice. Okay. In, in like both to different time periods. Mm. So, um, but I suppose because you know graphics capabilities and stuff back in those days, it wasn't as much of a presence as, as it is in. Um, I suppose uh, it depends how big Ocarina of Time is as well. Like like I mean, it's probably tiny compared to. Oh, I see. <laughs> to. Uh, because Frozen Worlds is so because it's so mountainous mm. it always feels like the volcano is above you even when you're really high up so you get a real sense of scale at the same time it, okay. provi- it provides a sense of scale and a sense of foreboding at the same time which is really good um, well okay Ocarina of Time did it though yeah fair enough it makes sense I, I, I really like that idea I guess Fallout New Vegas kind of had it in so far as the cent- you knew the oh, yeah, of the map you could always see the light yeah from, from the city yeah. but you didn't necessarily have this feeling of being the second you go into Frozen Wilds you're told by the way that thing you're going there eventually <laughs> when it's cool to go there not yet <laughs> when it's cool <laughs> um, and so you're always like like there's a moment where you go through a ruin and it comes out into this path and it actually has like a viewing balcony thing there and you step out onto it and you just get this perfect view of this thing that you know you're heading toward mm. and it's, it's, it's nicely done it's nicely done um, do you have any non-game of the year related games that you'd like to talk about? Um, I don't really, actually. Well, that's uh, um, everything. The, the, most of the games I've, I've well, I've only really been playing two. Well, <laughs> I guess I can go back to XCOM and just say that it was a very good DLC, and if I could give it, um, if I felt DLC kind of deserved to be. Uh, Game of the year ish. I may have put it in there. Listeners, just to remind you, uh, Azim did give DLC Game of the Year last year. Anyway, what, what, what did I give DLC? <laughs> Blood and Wine. Did I? Yeah. That wasn't last year. Didn't come out last year. Did it? No, I gave. Doom. How long have we been doing this for? <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I gave Doom. Did I give it to Doom? Ah, uh, maybe it was that way around. I thought you gave Doom runner up. And Blood and Wine, the winner. No, I think I gave Doom Game of the Year. Okay. okay. And then Blood and Wine. I thought I just said Blood and Wine. Ah, oh, it's great, but it's DLC. Okay, well, screw that then. 
<laughs> Let's continue on. Get this game into the air thing. Sure, 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 sure. All right. So, um, I had a few games up for consideration, let's say. Okay. Uh, Near Automata, uh, Automata was up there for me because um, it's hella fun. It looks great. I, I, I do love... I love a I love a post apocalyptic world where nature is taking over. I really do. <laughs> I really do. Last of Us, Horizon Zero Dawn, Near Automata. I, I could I could hang around just looking at stuff. Oh, look at that ivy on a skyscraper. That's that's some good stuff. <laughs> look at that old water tower with some deer standing at the bottom. Yeah, brilliant. Um, actually, wow, they really are my favourite game. I do have it. Anyway. Um, uh, but ultimately, it's not my kind of game. It's very hectic. Um, it's, it's a crazy game. And it's weirdly paced as well. Mm. It's, it's, it's relentlessly hectic. And then you get these enormous long passages of like, okay, running and running and running and running and running to the next battle. And obviously part of that is dealing with the expectation of when the next battle is going to occur. Is Can I stop you right there? This corner? I, w- I wish we had a button that said tangent on it. So that every oh. time we're about to go on a tangent, you could just hit that button and then just say it. Because what you mentioned post-apocalyptic world, um, the Last of Us season uh, two season trailer, three. Last of Us two, part two trailer, yeah, the the second trailer, the yeah. one with which oh, is a bit more visual. Okay. Um, yeah, we did hadn't talked about that, and it's it was a lot darker than I thought it was going to be, um, and oh. I was quite shocked by it. Yeah, it's horrible. Uh, do we know what relation okay so so listeners if you haven't seen it it, it, it happened it, there's, it opens on two human beings that are strung up by their feet from a tree and they're being killed and then one of them is killed and the other one is saved by her friends that's, that's essentially it um, and they talk about right now we've got to go and kill them we don't know who them is yet. Yeah. But presumably the same people who just gutted the other person who's hanging out. Yeah. That's the, that's the entirety of the trailer. So my, my questions are, do we know how that relates to the story of Thingy and Thingy? Mm. Um, uh, what, what? So I, I wasn't really a big fan of it. Mm. Like, like the first, the only thing about the whole trailer that makes it a Last of Us trailer is the clicker that turns up at the end. A bunch of clickers that turns up at the end. That turn up at the end. Um, so what? I don't know. Did you like it? Did you like it? It was compelling, but it wasn't like oh. it was compelling, definitely. Uh, but I didn't like it. It didn't. It didn't make me feel good about the game coming mm. out. It was not in a sense that I think it's going to be a bad game, but more in the sense that 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 was very very heavy mm. stuff. Hmm. to put in a trailer you know? also why was it a trailer like if that's a part of the game I don't want it to be I don't want to sit and watch that scene in the middle of a video game it was long hmm. and unnecessarily long but as a trailer for a non-gaming thing if, um, if listeners I'm, 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 I'm pressing the invisible tangent button right now I watched the Death Stranding trailer today New that one. came out yesterday <gasps> I haven't seen it. I didn't even know. Okay, then we'll talk about that next time. All right. Yeah. Because I didn't. I saw the last Death Stranding trailer 
where you've got Guillermo del Toro holding a fetus in a jar and the rainbow appearing at the end of the street. Which This one was just as what is going on as the last one. <laughs> okay. Does it have any of the same cast? Like, is Mads Mikkelsen? Uh, no. Um, uh, what's his face is in it? Daryl. Yes, Daryl. Daryl is in this one. He's like the main character in this one. Good. Okay. Cause... It's all about him. Okay. Nice. Is he crying on a beach? He does cry at Flip one point. Snake. He does cry. It has all the, the drinking game, um, you know, pointers on it. It's got baby. It's got crying. It's got him just staring at something. Uh, yeah, oil? Kind of thing. Uh, I think there was some oil. Possibly there was some oil. Hands. Handprints. Oh, yeah. Handprints in there. So, yeah, it's got everything you want from Death Stranding. Kojima's taking some, some LSD or something. <laughs> what is it going to be like? Because, honestly, more of, I think I mentioned this in a previous edition, but more often than not, when someone says, ah, oh, I have revolutionised this, they haven't. Hmm. I, I, would, I would be so happy. I'd be the happiest person in the world. It turns out to be a mobile game with microtransactions in it. Be, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> We should at some point talk address Battlefront as well. I'm guessing. But anyway, let's get back to Neo Automata. The Battlefront just depresses me a little bit. Why can't people do it right? Yeah. Star Wars is surely rich. Uh, uh, okay. Right. Tangent, <laughs> tangent, tangent. So, Game of the Year, like we were just talking about. Um, so you mentioned XCOM, but DLC can't win. Under, under I think new, DLC can win under your new 2017 rules <laughs> no I think DLC can win I guess but um, but XCOM I probably still wouldn't put it up there because there's better stuff out there this year okay alright well then should we start with our runners up okay yeah yeah or do you want to do you want a top three or how do you want to do it let's do like two or three runners up and then, no, if you've got to, and then uh, give yeah, our game okay, of the year that's what we yeah. We did it. Sorry, listeners. We did agree to this just before we started yeah. recording. I just have a poor memory. Um, uh, Shall I go first? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Um, so one of them for me is something we mentioned earlier in the podcast: Divinity: Original Sin Two. Right. Um, I've been banging on about it mm. quite a lot recently, but it's worth banging on about. It's okay. it's it's by a studio uh, called Larian Studios who um, kickstarted this game. I actually backed it as a Kickstarter oh, wow. after, um, I think I, I don't think I backed the first one. I think I just bought the first one because I heard good things about it. It looked interesting. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I, I backed this one because I, after playing the first game, I was convinced that, you know, this is, they'll be able to do it again. And they did. They delivered. Everything about it is absolutely incredible. Mm. Um, I haven't delved into, so there's, there's two modes. There's a story mode. Which this time, but last time you you just create your character at the start and it fit into a generic story, which you follow. And obviously, there's loads and tons of branching paths in it. Um, but this time, there is some preset characters which have their own stories. So you can have you generally have a party of four. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can choose three of these characters and kind of be involved in their stories as well. So if you play it once you'll get a flavour for the other characters depending on which one you choose. Uh, But you will miss out one or two. Mm. So then that adds to the replayability. And the good thing about this game is replaying it can almost be a completely different adventure. You can do different things 
and have different consequences and different, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, like in Fallout, they aim for player choice. They used to aim for player choice mm-hmm. and branching paths and everything. Mm-hmm. And even in, in lot, lots of these AAA games, they aim for that. Yeah. They never really quite hit it. You always it's feel like, like you're going to end up at the same place. Exactly, exactly. This doesn't do that. This lets you kind of just do what you want. And even if you've got like a puzzle or a challenge, you can solve that how you want. Like there is a key hidden somewhere and behind these bars is a switch you need to hit. So you, so you can either look for the key or if you've got a teleportation skill, just teleport there, mm. flip the switch, teleport back. Simple as that. Right. Um, and there's, it's just full of that. You know, it's, it's, it really is the champion for player choice. I think that's awesome and the story's okay um, I mean it's got an insane amount of dialogue in it and it's all voice acted like a crazy amount of dialogue and you can speak to every NPC and usually every NPC has their own thing going on right uh, and you can speak to the animals too so you've got to think of dialogue for the animals as well um, and there's yeah there's just so much going on here um they did introduce one thing this time, which is Game Master Mode, which is kind of like a multiplayer mode, but you can create your own campaign, and one player is like the D&D Dungeon Master, right. and the other players are like playing the campaign. Okay. So the Dungeon Master creates these things on the fly, oh, okay. uh, these ca- encounters on the fly. That's cool. Um, so that, But to be honest, I haven't explored the multiplayer. Um, and of course, the single player, you can play in co-op um, right. as well. So, okay. yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't really fault it. And if the other game that I'm giving game to game of the year to didn't come out this year, this would easily have won. Okay. And it deserves its, what, 97 out of 100 rating in, like, I think it was Metacritic or right. whatever. Wow. Yeah. I don't know, it just hasn't, I guess if something doesn't have the marketing backing, mm. it just can't be known, can it? Yeah. Compared to like Grand Theft Auto, yeah. But I, I suppose this this game really appeals to people who've played like Baldur's Gate okay. and stuff. Okay. Know, those old school action RPG, old school RPGs, which were mainly PC based. Mm. You know, I, I mean this this is out on consoles and stuff as well. You can get it on PS4 and really? Xbox. Yeah, yeah. You can play with the controller. They have full controller support. They've literally added so many features into this, and of course it's got modding on PC as well. Right. So people are creating their own campaigns and their own mods and stuff um, and they've got they're, 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 I think they're announcing a DLC in January or something like that but, but it's yeah it's, it's, it's just I, I can't sing its praises enough okay wow yeah I guess I, I, I'd um, I already mentioned Nier like that that should be a contender for game of the year um, another runner up which is kind of odd for me to say but simply in terms of the amount of fun I've had playing this game this year, just for a couple of weeks I was on it, um, Just Cause 3. Okay. Right? Now, there's, there is nothing that laudable about, about Just Cause 3. You get to go around the place with weapons blowing stuff up. But it is a, it is a crystallisation of that formula. They really have got it fun again. 
the parachuting and the and the, the, the glide the wingsuiting the wingsuit gliding and all that stuff it's it, it's it doesn't genu- genuinely make you feel like you are a human with with superpowers with the power of flying through but yeah through the kit you're using and there's so much chaos and so much fun to be had with it um and actually, the, I remember reading the, the Empire Review of Shadow of War said the cool thing about Shadow of War, the reason they gave it five stars, which is insane. Um, the reason they gave it five stars is because they mentioned a moment where you're riding a dragon and you look down and there's like hundreds of people fighting beneath you and there's just all this stuff going on. Just Cause 3 has that. It really does. You can be just like jumping around or you can be on a parachute just looking at all this devastation you've created with hundreds of things going on beneath you. Um without all the nonsense that Shadow of War brings. Um, so, like, that that said, I got Just Cause 3 free on the PlayStation Network. It was on PS Plus for a month. Um, if you can find it for free and play it for a few hours, I'd say it's really worth it. Just, yeah. just like, almost to have as a, as a background game, just to go, do you know what, I want to... If you have that, a frustrating day at work, Just Cause 3 is ideal. Because you just go, I'm going to blow some stuff up. Um, and it's really good for that. Um... The only other runner-up I have is Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. Because I, I spent a lot of time this year playing it. It is great. It really does, as I mentioned in previous editions, make the effort of ensuring that each quest is an honest part of the main story and, and a, a natural thing to happen and the characters are all good and the world it's created is is really new but at the same time somehow reassuringly familiar in some of the details uh, it's very clever what they've done with that game plus robot dinosaurs <laughs> um, now the reason I'm hesitant to call that the runner up is because again in other years maybe that would be my winner and I do wonder if my actual winner has I've chosen it because it's because it's not Horizon Zero Dawn. Not I'm trying to be convert right. controversial, but just more that that it's like saying Star Wars is filmed with nineteen seventy seven. Well, of course it is. Like, yeah. But but at the same time, more 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 artistry might have gone into something else. Something else might have more detail. Anyway, um, do you have any more rather runners up? I do. I do have one. Okay. It's, 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 it's a tough year to choose, mm. um, especially if you're a Nintendo fan. They've, <laughs> they've put out not one, but two like monumental, greatest of all time kind of games in, within the space of a year. So, so I think actually, sorry to interrupt you, but I have a funny feeling that you having said that, when you reveal your runner-up, you will basically be spoiling exactly. your year yeah. choice. Yes, but I feel like it was a little bit obvious. Do you want to? So, so why don't I do my winner and then you do your top two, or you okay. do your those? Okay, yeah, sure, sure. My winner is Persona Five. I'm surprised. I am actually surprised. I am not usually a fan of JRPG or, or, or turn-based RPG generally. I am. Uh, it's probably tied into the fact that I went to Japan. I love Japan. I love Japanese stuff. And mm. seeing, playing a game that's, that's partly set in a, a high school that could be straight out of the pages of like Assassination Classroom or something like that. Yeah. And then going into this dream state 
with these just incredible settings. The Dream Casino. Oh, it's, just, it's amazing. It's so rich. And the characterization, even within the kind of craziness of this Japanese cultural thing that we could never hope to understand fully, mm. there are still incredible characters and really cool things going on. And just that... That... That that really rich Studio Ghibli kind of uh, uh, um, uh, vibe of having very mundane things juxtaposed next to utterly surreal things, um, and obviously in the dream state, it's it's you can facilitate that, but it really takes it to an extreme. It really does. Like here's a really normal thing happening, and here's a giant cat presiding over events like like, and that is all natural and fine it's all part of this world and it's Alice in Wonderland yeah it is yeah. it is um, it's made me want to read the, the manga P1 See, to 4 uh, all that kind of stuff I I, I, I I'm good I want to give it another chance because I mean I played I tried playing Persona 4 then uh, failing that I tried to watch the Persona 4 anime just because they're like I've heard so much about Persona and people love it so much I want to love it too and then picked up Persona 5 tried to play that but it just it fell flat for me maybe there's a point to get past in it or did you feel like there was? yeah I actually felt well no it kind of grew on me quite naturally to be honest the very first time I was really excited about playing it I was quite apprehensive about playing it because I actually picked my copy up in Tokyo for it as a kind of memento. Mm. Um, and so when I put it in my Euro PS4, I didn't know if it was even going to come up with the right language or what, how it was going to work. Um, and then obviously the menu screen in the intro film has this uh, funk. There's no, other, there's no other way of describing it, but light funk okay. soundtrack. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, this is like, if you could... Torturing me would like the best tor- way of torturing me would be to tie me to a chair and play me light funk. <laughs> I like funky music, but that is not is somehow funk music with the funkiness taken out of it, and it's really anyway. <laughs> going into the I'm elaborating on the Persona Five menu music. Um, <laughs> uh, there were a couple of things making me apprehensive, and actually, I, I, I started enjoying it more and more as I was playing it. Um, but then I bought into the design the aesthetic of it so quickly uh, and I was up for a crazy experience it was around the same time that Shadow, Shadow of War was so mundane and repetitive um, from hours 6 to 36 or whatever um, that actually playing something where I could just kind of revel in the surreality and madness and brilliance of it. It could have been like, if, maybe if I played it on a different day, if I'd started playing it on a different day, it would have been completely different. Mm. But, um... Is there a lot to do post-game? Like, post a main storyline ending? Is there a new game plus? To be honest, I don't really know. I haven't gone back to it since complete. I found the story very satisfying. Okay. Uh, when it ends... And I'm one of those. I, I am one of those people that will do everything, do a lot, all the sides and side yeah. missions and errands before doing the main mission. Mm. Um, 
But even from that point of view, yeah, I don't know. If you're talking about being a world where you could continue exploring, maybe. Maybe you actually because I remember because I, I will find that I will find that answer for you by doing it and seeing what there is. Well, well, one of the classic things about JRPGs for me is like there's always end game bosses. You know, after you beat the main boss, there's souped up versions of oh, some of the earlier bosses or something. Oh, I think there's yeah, or there's a secret boss at the end or something like that. Um, I'm sure there is actually, but I'm just I haven't, I haven't come back to it. Um, yeah, they do do that, don't they? Yeah. I mean, some some Western RPGs do that as well. Um, I know uh, Dragon Age did that. Maybe fight the dragons and stuff. But um, Frozen Wilds does it. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, insofar as the story finishes, and then it suddenly goes, oh, to really finish it, you've got to do this very hard thing. Okay. Um, it's not, it's not exactly the same it's not like having a souped up box but it's an idea because it might just be about you know you don't want players to I don't know maybe finishing a game is a bit well it could be satisfying it could also be quite dispiriting to kind of go oh well I've, I've been a part of this world for however many hours and now I'm not mm. and so giving, us, giving you a little bit more to do as a treat maybe that just makes you more affectionate towards the thing I don't know yeah. I don't know it does feel like that it is, is weird from the programmer's point of view from the developer's point of view that is a weird thing to do to put extra content after the main story is finished mm. it's kind of like that's a lot of work mm. just to give your player a treat which I suppose is but in a lot of lovely. cases it was just an extra battle and with, it was the same battle just in a different location mm. but, and the, the enemy has better stats like and I'm, I'm in, in particular, I'm thinking of Final Fantasy X. After you finish okay. the main quest, you can uh, go fight all the summons again, but they're, like, super powerful, and you have to grind for ages to even be able to fight them. Really? Even yeah. after you finish the game, yes. you still have to grind yeah. to get to the... Yeah. I remember going straight there and just getting my ass handed to me. Yeah. Um, and then grinding a lot, and then finally going back and beating the bosses. Okay. Um, and I thought that was kind of cool. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of cool. We haven't. We talking of that. We haven't mentioned Assassin's Creed Origins yet. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Which I wouldn't be like. I have a funny feeling if it had come out a couple of months earlier, might be in some game of the year. I mean, I mean, for me, I kind of do want to play it, but um, but I'll wait for it to be cheaper. Yeah, I can wait for it. Same goes with uh, South Park. I'll wait That's for it too to expensive. Come on, yeah, guys. Sixty. It's, I think it's gone down to 40 now but still I don't want to pay 40 for it I want to wait till it's like 15 maybe it's about and right. then I'll pick it up Assassin um, should be 15 to 20 I, 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 I played Stick of Truth like a year and a half two years after it came out right so yeah, yeah. so I can wait for that there's a few games that are like that for me this year yeah which means that I am growing as a mature human as <laughs> Now that I'm married, I, uh, <laughs> I just don't buy it. It's the marriage section. <laughs> um, I had a I had a good conversation recently with Emma where she was talking about the idea that when I am playing video games, I'm not necessarily using my time well. Mm. I think I convinced her that actually it's quite creative and imaginative time and it's useful for the intellect and hand-eye coordination all that stuff mm. not that as an adult you need those things but um, <laughs> you need intellect yeah 
Hand-eye coordination. That's all you have when you're older. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, no. Oi, oi, oi. That's the end of the wedding, ma- ma- marriage section. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it looks amazing, Assassin's Creed Origins. Mm. Like, the kind of place you want to hang out in. It looks lush. Mm. Um, and apparently it's really good at, at, at guiding you in the right direction level-wise. It's mm. big to explore. Yeah. But if you, there are whole areas that are kind of cordoned off by patrolling animals that will just kill you outright if you try to go too far into these places you're not supposed to go. Mm. As opposed to just warding you out or putting a gate or whatever. Um, actually, this is one thing that has changed a lot overall in gaming, I think, in the last year, is the way in which um, writing the game has facilitated some of the gameplay things that don't quite make sense. Um, uh, yeah. Um, which is cool um, I can't think of a single example to demonstrate what I'm talking about <laughs> well no like, like say Shadow of War yeah when you die you come back obviously the notion of having multiple lives in video games is tricky because that doesn't happen in real life but because the guy is imbued with a, he's a haunt he's possessed mm. with a ghost he can come back to life every time and it's quite a painful experience for him so actually that's great that's a nice bit of writing um, that, like where the writing you, you, you kind of excuse the wackier non-realistic parts of the game and it's storytelling with a certain mechanic in the writing which is really cool and that's been happening more and more and more Horizon Zero Dawn had it a lot I think and Persona 5 has it um, it, it reference it's very self-referential um, it references the fact that certain dynamics certain mechanics don't actually make sense um, and then it offers you a different prison to see them through, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, again, I'll think of some really good examples <laughs> in a second. Why don't you tell us the big reveal, Game of the Year 2017? Oh man, it's so difficult for me this year. I'm. What are your what two games are we talking about? Are to okay, about? so I'll tell you the two games, and it's probably obvious to you at least sure. who I'm going to choose. It's Super Mario Odyssey. And Legend of Zelda. Super Mario Odyssey, which only came out a few weeks ago, right? yes. as, as we're recording this. Yeah. And Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which came out in February? Same time, same week as... Horizon. Horizon, yeah. yeah so I think it's February. Yeah. February. So I think I've already been through Zelda. I've spoken about it at length. Um, and it's, it is... The attention to detail, everything about it is just gorgeous. And it was... It, it, it was amazing because it was a big step forward for the series. Um, they, they of which you'd always been a, you've been a fan. For exactly, ages. yeah, exactly. But I mean, likewise, is Mario. I've been a massive fan of Mario since I was little. Sure. Um, and this is a step forward for the Mario series. I was worried after after Galaxy Two. So there's kind of like two different types of Mario games. There's a few different types of Mario games. There's obviously the RPGs and Paper Mario and stuff. But of the platformers, there's two different types. There's the 2D slash 3D side-scrolling kind of get-to-the-goal kind of Mario, which is um, the Super Mario 3D Land and 3D World, sorry, and uh, the new Super Mario Bros. on the Wii and all that kind of stuff. Then there's the kind of exploration Mario which are Super Mario Sunshine. Super Mario Galaxy is like half and half. Mm. Um, 
and Super Mario 64. And Super, 60, Super Mario 64 was the first 3D platform I ever played. And it was the first game I felt I was really invested in. And and I, I you know, I played that thing like crazy. Mm. And this is this is in the spirit of that. Okay. The work they've done on the different um, worlds and stuff is, is incredible. It's like it's only Nintendo could think of it. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. There's so much to find, um, and and there's they've done things like you see in the distance, you see a place which may you doubt you could get to because it's so far away or it's so high up, it's unreachable. But some through some trickery, if you manage to get up there, there'll be a reward for you. There'll be coins. There'll be something there for you. Okay. Uh, which is which is you know which is really good. You're ex- you're rewarding your player for exploring. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. And they they do it in the most obscure places as well. I I end up in some place. And I don't expect there to be anything there. I think, oh, I've glitched off the map or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Or almost done that. Mm. But there's something there. There's some coins there. or It it doesn't need to be a lot. But it means, wow, I achieved this. Mm. Um, I I, I can't sing its praises enough. It's it's a truly, truly brilliant game. And it deserves all the praise it's getting. Um, I, I have two very minor issues with it. One is motion controls. Stop it. Stop motion controls. Most of the things in the game you can do without motion controls. But there's one or two things which you need motion controls for, which is a pain to do if you're playing in tablet mode. Oh, if yeah. you're in tablet mode, doing there's, there's one way you, you can spin your hat around you. Like, it, it just circles you, basically. Mm. And I have no idea how to do it in tablet mode. I know you can run around in a circle and then press Y but that takes ages On with the controller you just flick the controller or something like that and it will do mm. it um, and the second thing is actually throwing your hat upwards which you very rarely need to do again sure. um, but you do sometimes um, and the, the, the other issue is um, the amount of collectibles is a bit too much but I mean, it's not too much. If there was 800 collectibles in the game, that's that's fine. I'm cool with 800 collectibles. But some of them are really low effort. Some of them are just yeah. like, you walk off there and there's one there. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so it doesn't make it feel as special as it is. By the time you're getting to the last few, you just feel like you're grinding it out. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, I have to get these last few. That's if you want to be a completionist. You can, you can complete the game with a lot less. You don't need to get all of them. What do you get if you do get all of them? Um, there is I think I think to complete the, the main game there is you need like 300 and something okay which is generally fairly easy to get as long as you're just playing through at a normal pace and just collecting a few extra here and there because um, there is before you proceed to the next world there is like a, you have to get a certain number mm. so if you keep carrying that on keep carrying that on you'll get to the main ending okay then if you get a few more uh, it opens up another stage which is slightly harder levels a few more moons which is the main collectible in this game and then if you get closer to that I think it's around 500 you open up an even more difficult section mm. um, more planet and it's just more to do really mm. and it's really good nice. it's really good but there's it's just a, a bit too much to collect in my opinion I, I, I 
funny enough, I was I overheard a conversation. I was at the Facebook studio. I was recording. Oh, this is a bit of a plug, actually. Mm. Uh, the best of Go Eight bit is going to be coming out soon. Oh, nice. Um, all the all the bestest bits of gaming from the first two series of Darrow Green's Go Eight bit, and I was working with him, uh, and he was talking about Mario Odyssey, and I think he mentioned that there are nine hundred ninety nine moons. No, no, it's less than that. Less than that. I okay. think it's eight hundred and something. Ah, okay. Maybe it's something that. You could get nine hundred ninety nine moons. But the last hundred or few you just buy from a shop. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, mm. But you love that aspect of it. That the the mm. the the, the actually open up a thing. It's mm. really that's cool. That's and some of them are really hard to find actually. If you've got like one or two left, and uh, you can get a clue if you use an amiibo or something. But sometimes the cute clue doesn't really help, and you're just wandering around for ages. So, like, one or two of them I've had to go online and be like, how do I get this move? Mm. And I had to do that, which... Doesn't everyone do that? Like, you're not going to... Like, yeah. the Riddler trophies in the Batman games, the Arkham trilogy, they were never... There are some you cannot find without going yeah. online. <laughs> like, <clears throat> it's, it, it, it's weird, that moment, isn't it, when you decide to look up a thing? Because mm. um, it's like, well, what am I doing this for? Who am I doing this for? Yeah. If it's for me, I it, well, it's, it's the completionist. Like I, I'm not much of a completionist in general, but for certain games, sure. yeah, the flick, the switch will just flick, <laughs> and I will be like, I really want to do everything in this game. Sure. <clears throat> and Mario has has done that for me. I I haven't really explained one of the main mechanics, which is capturing. Um, so you throw your hat on stuff, <clears throat> and you can control that. You become that basically. Yeah. So. Um, I think I mentioned you could become a T-Rex before, mm-hmm. which is cool. It's one of the cooler captures. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, and there's this awesome moment in the game where <clears throat> you you fall down off of the level, like you think you're going to die, but <clears throat> you end up in like this really, really pitch black forest. And it's quite spooky for a Mario game mm. and you could just hear thuds in the background and it's just a T-Rex walking around oh, like nice. and like kind of like hunting mm. and you have to collect all you have to run in between the trees and collect all things mm. eventually you have to capture the the T-Rex as well but it was a really nice atmosphere a really nice surprise yeah. this game is just full of those little surprises yeah. that just make you go oh wow that's really cool I didn't you know I'm so glad they thought of that you know that's that sounds brilliant. That's exactly what you want from a, any video game, let alone just yeah. a Mario game. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's it's truly really good. And the final thing I'll say on it is the movement, which is very, very important in a platformer, in any platformer. The movement is perfect. Okay. They've, they've done a lot of work on, um, you know, if you're a bit more skillful, you can do a bit more stuff. Okay. If you're, if you're not as skillful, you can do most of the basic stuff you need to do. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, you if you really want that edge, you can get that by okay. playing well and right. rewarding that. So uh, it's just you know, Nintendo are just killing it. Seriously, they're just they have done. I mean, the Switch is amazing so far. Yeah, the Switch is really amazing. I mean, they've just released Skyrim on it. Um, Doom just came out on it. Right. Um, so uh, La Noire came out on it, which is weird. That is weird. That is very, very weird. But I, I, I imagine they're just using it as a test bed to sure. see, sure. oh, maybe we could just throw GTA Five on there as well or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. Because the Switch is selling very well. Is it? It is. I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is. It would if it's got at least two of the best games in the last year, or from the sounds of things, the last ten years, isn't it? Mm. So what's your other game that you're going to talk about? Oh, I already mentioned it. Zelda. Yeah. Okay, so... um... (laughs) Oh, yeah, you did. But you haven't said... Which one I've chosen. Which one is actually going to win? Uh... Can I get a drum roll? Yes, I'll get a drum roll for you. <laughs> I can't do the table because that'll make the thing. It's going to be Legend of Zelda. Hey! It has to be Legend of Zelda just because I felt like it did more for the series than Mario has done for it. Okay. For, you know, Mario has been progressing. Um, it did get a bit stagnant but it was still putting out good games. Zelda, again, it was putting out good games but I felt like the formula mm. had gone a bit stale. Mm. I feel like with the next one, maybe they could focus a bit more on the story because okay. there's no the story's not existed in Zelda games or Mario games for that matter. But um, if they do that, that would be the next evolutionary step for the series. Um, they tell the story. Yeah, they added so much. Again, I keep saying attention to detail, but mm. they added so much of that in it, um, and it's just it's an excellent game. It's an excellent game, and I love the fact that you can wake up at the start of the game and run to the last boss if you <laughs> want to. Yeah. How much running is that? It's not long. <laughs> it isn't long. You just right. run to the centre of the map. Right. Yeah, that's cool. That is really, really cool. You play it how you want. Yeah. That's, that, that's surely another good reason to choose... I suppose either one of those games, mm. but particularly Breath of the Wild as the game of the year because it really is an indicative. It really is indicative of what video games are going to be like mm. um, in the next few years. Yeah, we do want to see games that are true open worlds mm. with true <clears throat> actual skill options, with actual player options, with actual branching stories, with all these things that have been promised to us. Mm. And it feels like Breath of the World is actually, I said actually a lot, but it's, it's a game that's truly delivering on that promise. Mm. And that is exciting. I'm not a Nintendo guy, but for the first time I've been like, oh man, I should have a look at the Switch thing everyone's talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I'm so glad they launched that with the system. You know, mm. it was the perfect game to right. show that this isn't just a, you know, uh, an in like a mini game system. Yeah, it's not Atari Lynx. Yeah, it's it's not it's not going to have half size games on it because it's portable. Sure, it's going to have full adventure, full games on it. Mm. Yeah, there's not going to be anything spare. Mm. Which is yeah, uh, the future bright for Nintendo. I think I yeah. think they did a really had a really good year. Yeah, and uh, next year's looking good as well. I think more publishers. I'm going to take it seriously now because the Wii U nobody took it seriously yeah Ubisoft every now and then threw it a bone <laughs> sure. um, but nobody else was Bethesda was like what what is a Wii U yeah um, and now they released Skyrim for the Switch and yeah Bethesda are playing a lot of catch up aren't they though mm. like they seem to turn around like I'd hate to there's a few people at Bethesda who are having who are probably having a really good time developing the next games but 90% of them seem to be working on updating the old games which is yeah. a bit of a bad job 
And yeah, yeah the online. So that's the other thing about Nintendo as well. As much as the two games you just mentioned are sequels, they're still very original properties and very uh, new ideas. Mm. They're not retreads of things. They don't have to rely on the phrase robot dinosaurs to make them successful. Like, yeah, that's pretty good. Mm. Nice one, man. Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. Game of the Year 2017. And Persona 5. Persona 5, sure. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's come back to me in a year's time when I've had a little time to think about it. Because it might go, I might revert back to Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. And even then, I don't think Horizon Zero Dawn. I, I really, really, I really I regret think... that I haven't, haven't given Horizon Zero Dawn the time to, you know. Well, do you know what I was about to say was, without even having played Breath of the Wild or Mario Odyssey, I know Horizon Zero Dawn isn't as good as that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it looks like Game of the Year is specifically Breath of the Wild. <laughs> um, but it was really, it's really tough between Mario and Zelda though. Really? Because I think both of them, both of them deserve a lot of uh, acclaim for being such, you know, brilliant games. And they're not, they're not what I look for gaming-wise nowadays. Mm. They're more, like Mario certainly isn't. Sure. Because I just want a long, you know, story-driven campaign mm. You know, I really like story-driven games. Sure. And neither of them have stories. <laughs> so they must... They're doing something very right. Yeah. Yeah, clearly. Mm. Well, Nintendo's thing has always been gameplay, though, hasn't it? Like, yeah. It's been fun. Yeah. What a good time to be alive. Definitely. Do you know what? Have you ever watched the Oscars and thought to yourself... Um, Man, I want to I want to come back to them in a year's time and say, do you remember last year you voted for this rubbish film that won Best Picture? Like, what's going on? Um, we should be held accountable. Mm. Uh, and it, the reason I think of this is because Odyssey only having been out for a month and you've had nine months with Breath of the Wild, mm. let's come back to this in six months and see where you are on that decision. Yeah, yeah. Uh, likewise, I can revise my answer as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I'm I'm gonna. I say this, I say this, but I'm probably not. <laughs> but I do want to play Nier Automata and Persona Five. Yeah, um, I've just got there's so much coming out. Mm. Now I, I bought um, a game called Xenoblade Chronicles Two. It's a JRPG on okay. the Switch, um, which I haven't opened yet, but I plan to start playing that. I've got Yakuza, one of the Yakuza. I don't know which one. I've got that no, so play. Yakuza 0 is just zero. no Kiwami just came out Kiwami 2 has been announced okay. this is 0 I've mean, got to play that um, obviously Horizon Zero Dawn have that to play um, Monster Hunter there's a I think I've seen. Monster there's, Hunter World yeah it yeah. comes out in January but the beta starts tomorrow alright so I'm going to try out the beta see what it's like I never really got into the Monster no, Hunter craze so I, I want to try it out okay. and um, uh, next year there's a lot of RPG stuff there's also uh, the Studio Ghibli game part 2 of the Studio Ghibli game mm. ok cool uh, which uh, Nino Kuni yeah uh, which I absolutely love mm. the first one I love that game um, so I'm excited about the second one that's really exciting yeah Yeah. God of War coming out eventually sure. I'm looking forward to that do you have a most wanted game for next year? I don't have a most wanted, no, actually. Okay. Um, I have two. And unsurprisingly, they're both 
uh, post-apocalyptic games where nature has taken over. Um, <laughs> what a loser. Last of Us Part 2 and uh, let's not forget about Days Gone. Because I think that might be quite... Mm. I, I do... I, I have a funny feeling that Days Gone isn't going to be a very good game, but that I will enjoy it a lot. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, is that going to be very good? Have you, have you played Fortnite? Um, yeah? Yeah. I'm, I'm, it turns out, really good at games like that. Fortnite, Seven Days to Die. Um, Can we please play that together? Yeah, sure. I would be yeah. very, very interested in playing that together. All right. Maybe we'll stream it. Yeah. I'd be down for cool. it. Cool. Um, yeah. I, I like games. No, no, sorry. That was, that's what I was about to say. Mm. I'm good at those games, but I don't like them very much. <laughs> Seven Days to Die scared me so much. The moment where the actual attack happens, I, my heart, I can't. It's so so, uh, so scary. So you have you played the battle royale at all? I don't know. I had a quick go on it because um, that's what's really taking off for Fortnite. Okay, like the main game is doing okay, okay, but the battle royale is you know getting up there to take PUBG off the top spot. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. I've had the general sentiment from like friends, from streamers and stuff is that Fortnite is a better game than PUBG, just because PUBG doesn't run very well. Okay. Um, and stuff. So, um, so yeah, I really, I really want to try battle royale. I think there's going to be a slew of battle royale games. It's mm. going to be like um, MMORPGs and MOBAs came before it. Now it's battle royale. Okay. So expect loads. I think Dying Light is even coming out with one. What? Yeah, they're releasing another expansion for it. But it's like three years old now. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good, like, we shouldn't be complaining, they're breathing life into an old game. So. <laughs> Excuse me, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that, but... Uh, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. Lend itself to Battle Royale. Uh, apparently, uh, what the brief details I've read about it was that you're in a city, uh, and you're trying to evacuate the city, uh, and you have to collect supplies and stuff like that to secure your seat on a helicopter, and there's six of you, and you're... Racing to get there before nightfall or something. Um, it sounds interesting, but it's only six players. I mean, what do you call it? Uh, Fortnite just announced fifty versus fifty. Whoa! <laughs> In the PvP, but I so. yeah, still that's that's great. Wow! Mm. Wow! All of this to look forward to. Um, on that night. On that note. Night. Should, uh, on that night. <laughs> That's that's bruised and chopper. On that night, on that note, we should deactivate boss mode. I guess. Yeah. Go back into normal mode. Ugh. Yeah. I hate normal mode. Kill me. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what an uplifting end to our game of the year podcast. <laughs> Breath of the Wild and a bit of P five. Mm. See you next time, listeners. And until then, be good. Or something. Yeah. Bye. Peace. Bye.